Podcast Special Edition featuring independent wrestler C.J. O'Doyle, the Irish Lionheart. Guys, recently we were able to start a Patreon at patreon.com slash gimme5podcast. And because of listeners like you, we are able to bring you awesome interviews with people like CJ O'Doyle. He is an independent wrestler that has been seen all over the TV at local house shows. He's wrestled shows for TNA, NXT, WWE. He's done Fest. He's done CZW, Evolve, you name it. You've probably seen him there, and he is sharing his time with us. Now, if you like this kind of content, please think about supporting us on patreon.com slash gimme5podcast, because we have a stretch goal, and if we reach $100 a month, it's not that much, we're pretty close, we'll bring you an additional interview each month. It could be anybody. It's, it'll be someone that has created something that you love. It could be writers, wrestlers like we have today. It can be athletes, it can be any number of creative people that we have access to. And it'll be a whole other episode. If you like the content we have, this will bring one more episode out there to the masses. And as patrons, you know, you are you are helping us and you will bring some more content out there. And people will love you for it. Or hate you for it, depends. We're going to get into the interview right now with CJ O'Doyle. I am your junkyard dog, and I'm joined. Well, shit, Jimmy's not here. I'm, we're, I'm joined by one of the rockers. You are going to be Marty Janetti. Oh, I don't want to be Marty Janetti today, man. <laughs> oh yeah, there, there's, there's some Marty Janetti in the news today. And whenever a whenever someone is in the news randomly, you know, 15 years after retiring, it is not a good story. No, it it is never a good story. We do have a special guest. He is an independent wrestler who has wrestled in multiple promotions. He is the Irish Lionheart, Mr. C.J. O'Doyle. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Try to stay out of the news and not be uh, a Marty Jannetty. Did you hear that story today? <laughs> Don't be a Marty Jannetty. <laughs> he, he, he almost uh, put himself in the news. He's like, hey, guys, I know you haven't heard from me in a while. And guess what? I might have murdered somebody 15 some years ago. Yep. I'm what? like, wow. On Facebook, he decided to break up with the girl, I guess, by saying, you know, I murdered someone when I was 13 years old. I didn't know all that. I, I didn't know he would like it was a breakup post or something. Yeah, it was like, I guess a breakup post. He was like basically saying, don't mess with me, because back in the day, there was some guy that tried to molest me or something. He didn't use the word guy. He used a the um, not so nice F word. And uh, he said that he killed him and they never found the body. And now the police are actually looking at it. Well, but uh, at this point, the statute of limitations has passed. Nah, there's no statute of limitations on murder. Oh, on murder. You're right. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you, so, we're good. Uh, let us continue on that happy note. So, let, let's talk about wrestling here, since you were kind enough to join us. Uh, I tried to make this, you know, 
one of those type interviews where you, cause I went out and I listened to the interview. It looks, looks sounded like you did one pr- fairly recently with the podcast. Um, I think so. so. Yeah. Jordan Owens. I believe so. Yeah. And like there were questions that I had written down that I heard you answer then on that podcast. Okay. And you were like, yeah, I hate that question. And I was like, shit. So I scratched, I tried to scratch off those ones. Oh, <laughs> you know, man, I don't care. Ask, ask whatever you got. No, no, no. See, I want that. We are a different kind of podcast. So we have, you know, our listenership. Well, technically we are not a wrestling podcast, but what's weird is when I look at the numbers, whenever we mention wrestling, mm-hmm. our numbers go up. Oh, wrestling's super cool. And it's super cool. And we we tend to skew towards nostalgia and stuff. And like you get any group of guys that grew up in the eighties and nineties together. And, you know, I mean, Rob just said, suck it. I mean, you probably, it might not be in the episode because he was saying it to Jimmy who's editing it, but, but he did just say it. So that explanation might not be in the episode either. (laughs) Yeah. When I was, when I was, when I, I remember when I was a kid, you know, it was like not cool to like wrestling. And then right as, right as I was a teenager was the whole attitude era and the and then in Monday night wars where I remember like walking with my boy to the mall and, um, just seeing like other wrestling shirts. And like, I didn't feel like afraid to wear a wrestling shirt and it was like cool to wear wrestling shirts. And, um, you know, re- wrestling is obviously very cyclical, but I don't think it's ever in my opinion, not been cool to stop wearing your wrestling shirts. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, we're just going to pretend there's no pandemic. We're just going to pretend that's not a thing. Um, but it's still cool to wear your wrestling shirts, your NXT shirts, your John Cena shirts, um, your AEW shirts, wherever. It's still cool. You know what I mean? There was a, I was literally lifting weights earlier today and I saw some kid with a Seth Rollins shirt. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I'm glad, you know, the support is there. And uh, independent wrestling is just, again, pretending the pandemic isn't a thing. Um, independent wrestling well, you can't forget it's not, you can't pretend it's not a thing, but independent wrestling right before the whole pandemic thing was booming. It's been hot for a couple of years now. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I just, you, you said eighties and nineties and just brought back a good memory of, uh, you know, not being afraid to wear a wrestling shirt and it's cool and wrestling's awesome. So, um, if I'm not losing viewers by the minute for you, then, nah, um, not at all. Yeah, I mean, Wrestling's awesome, so I'm glad that your viewers uh, like wrestling. And let's talk wrestling, man. Nice. Or Family Feud, or The Office. I don't care. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so, how? Uh, just real quick, how did you get into the world of wrestling from fandom up to you know the first time you uh, you know, or even HOAs? We can even talk HOAs. Yeah, um, we can. Man, how did I get into wrestling? God, I hate that question. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> He answers that question every podcast he's on. (laughs) Just kidding, guys. Um, No, man, it's it's cool. I uh, my parents messed up. They I snuck down the stairs. I was like eight years old, and they were flipping through the channels. I think they're watching David Letterman. I just remember the guy with the glasses throwing uh, three by five cards through the windows, making broken glass noises. Anyways, they landed on uh, Saturday night main event, and um, it was wrestling. I'm like, what is this? And next thing you know, uh, it was Shawn Michaels beating the British Bulldog. And, mm. um, you know, that was Shawn Michaels' IC title win, and he's the heel. And I'm just like, wait a minute. All I know is the good guy wins everything. Superman always wins. Darkwing Duck always wins. Spider-Man always wins. You know what I mean? You, and are, you are so awesome. You mentioned I know. Darkwing Duck. <laughs> I know. I try. And um, uh, I got to make up for the self-deprecation somehow. But anywho, so um, – but I was like, this is awesome. This is crazy. And I didn't know what I was watching and it was awesome. And I don't know, I feel like a week or two later, um, 
I saw like this ring spinning and it was taped at Universal Studios or MGM or whatever it was called. And Sting was in the ring and I'm like, this guy's got face paint. This is awesome. And it just led to then playing, uh, you know, wrestling or playing wrestling figures with my Ninja Turtles and by two Leonardo's. Well, now they're a tag team, et cetera, et cetera. And <laughs> that led to just wrestling the kids on, in my neighborhood and doing really well. Cause I feel like if I didn't do really well, I probably would have been disenchanted and probably a really good chess player right now. But, um, <laughs> uh, thankfully I was good. And you would have been a nerd. <laughs> well, I might still be one. No, I, I prefer, I, I call myself a dwarf with muscles really, but anywho's, um, uh, even like the one or two big kids, I feel like either I was really good, which I don't think, or they were just nice enough to like not beat me. You know what I mean? But still it built up my confidence. And so then that led to backyard wrestling as a teenager. And, um, simultaneously I was a subscriber to WWF magazine and I wish I still could be, but, um, it's digital or I think it's, they've canceled it now. Anywho's I've got boxes in my garage of it. Um, maybe I'll put those in the, the park group thing, but anywho's Yeah. yeah uh, you can. <laughs> so they, for, uh, for those of you out there, we are neighbors somehow. Yeah. We've never actually, we, I don't think we've met in person. We might've, we've never met in person unless we were at like the grocery store and didn't know it. Yeah. Um, you may see me, my wife and child wandering around Avalon playing Pokemon. Cause I need to get him out of the house. Well, this is now the first time that I, I mean, we only met via Twitter a couple of days ago, but, um, I'll be on the lookout for you now. We're neighbors. I bet we run into each other all the time now, Yeah. but, uh, anywho's, um, so simultaneously, like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I ask him one more question, he doesn't like, he's going to run into me. <laughs> nah, Greg's cool. Now, if I see that motherfucker, Jimmy, he's getting it. <laughs> you hear that Jimmy? Jimmy can eat world. I don't care. Um, no man. So simultaneously, like backyard wrestling, I subscribe to a magazine, and um, there was an article, and it said, "So you want to be a wrestler?" And I'm like, "Hell yeah!" And it's funny because I feel like most of that um, magazine was kayfabe, but this was legitimate. And I think it was written by Jim Cornette too. So um, it was like, "So if you want to be a wrestler, go to your local shows, ask to help out, try to take down the ring. They'll, you know." I thought I heard some, uh, ask to help, ask to break down and, um, make friends with the wrestlers and they'll lead you to a wrestling school. Yada, 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 pay your dues. Rah, rah, rah. I'm like, well, perfect. I'm already an athlete. I play in various sports, so let's do it. And, um, I'm from Philadelphia, so you don't get any more local than ECW in its heyday. As in my opinion, it was changing the game. Um, so every three weeks they would run and I'd go every three weeks with my boy and, you know, eventually, uh, one of us, I can't remember, I think maybe it was me muster up the strength to be like, um, excuse me, do you need help taking down the ring? And they're like, sure, kid, grab some guardrail. And I'm like, Oh my God, jackpot. So anyways, so I just followed the article to a T. It said, literally it said, go to your local shows, help out, make friends. I made friends. You get to wipe the blood off of the guardrail, which was nice. Like, yeah. Picking up the pots and pans that were smashed and, oh man. Even as a teenager, and I, I, I still don't drink to this day, but even as, even as a teenager, the cheap beer and overpriced delicious pizza smell is like something that uh, I'll just never never forget. But uh, basically, I just followed that article to a T. So it's, uh, I'm sure I still would have found my way into this sport uh, one way or another. But yeah, I just happened to be a subscriber to the magazine and read that article. 
It was Kismet. Yeah. They're also from the uh, same state as me, which is kind of interesting. I did not know that. I'm from Pittsburgh. Speaking of, of wrestling, uh, I guess, things, I, when you started going to training, and um, who trained you? Um, so I started, I was like 15 years old, and God, so young. I think, I feel like it was Simon Diamond who referred me to Jim Kettner's famous ECWA. Um, but the dilemma is it was like 90 minutes away and I was 15 and I couldn't drive. So I think in like six months to a year, I got there six or seven times. Super great though. Super awesome. Um, a lot of uh, top stars were just training there at that time too. Um, but it just wasn't feasible. And then, you know, due to travel, unfortunately. And mm -hmm. then um, I got hooked up with Pitbull Gary Wolf. Um, and he was training out. He was training behind um, a bar owned by the Sandman called Hacks. Go figure. God, and me. it was also a little far, but uh, one of the local guys like went there, you know, one or two times a week, whatever. So I was able to um, hop a ride with him. So that made travel a lot more feasible. So I did my training with Pitbull Gary Wolf. And then um, I was basically adopted by uh, Pops of the Wild Samoans. And I've been there forever. Um, that's pretty much that. So Pipple, Gary Wolf, and then off to the Samoans. So is Sam, you? I'm assuming you ran into Sandman multiple times. Uh, actually, is, I don't think terrifying. I ever, really, I don't. I don't think I ever actually ran into him once. To the point where I think once I started doing shows, I was like, "Hey, you don't know me, but I used to train at your school." So wow, um, I used to train at your bar, but. He like he's one of the few that like legitimately scares me. Like he looks like he has a good time hurting people. Uh, I'm glad he has that perception. Yeah, no, it's good. No, it means he's doing his job. I guess exactly, exactly. One of the things I love is just the idea of gimmicks and like how how does that work? How do you like do you determine stuff yourself? Do you? Um, <laughs> um, does it just kind of flow naturally? Does it? Do they tell you? Is it assigned to you? Yeah, you're an independent, so you can do whatever the hell you want, I think, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, I think I'm going to answer your... I think the best way to answer your question is just kind of say how it happened to me. And mm -hmm. um, so I needed a... I needed a... My first match came up, and it was like, all right, you're going to, you know, you're going to wrestle. What are you going to call yourself? So I literally, um, at that moment, uh, I didn't even have... I didn't even have... I had boots, but I didn't have, like, gear, and I had these... Um, floral shorts that I loved wearing everywhere, yada, yada, yada. Uh, makes sense, a kid from Philly in floral shorts. But anyways, uh, <laughs> and I wasn't tan, I was pasty white. So long story short, a couple conversations are had, and I um, became Tommy North Shore, and I was a surfer kid, and which is hilarious. Um, had you ever surfed? No, no. <laughs> I didn't surf for like 10 years later for the first time. So, um, but that's actually part of it. So like I did a few matches as Tommy North Shore and while it was super fun, cause I was, I don't know, 18 years old. I quickly was like, you know, I'm not a surfer. I don't believe this. If I don't believe it, how's anyone else going to believe it? Mm -hmm. So, cause you want to be believable, right? You got to suspend the disbelief. So, um, I knew I wanted to drop the North Shore but I still liked the name and I had a, I had like a pair of tights coming with an N on it for North shore. So myself and another fella named Joey Rizzo were the only two to finish um, the wrestling school or survive the wrestling school with Gary. 
and cause he was in Japan a lot of the time. So he'd come in and just fuck us up. Um, a lot of people came and went, but uh, Joey and myself were the only two that made it. And Joey was the Sean of the two. He was the star. He has the charisma. He's the one everybody loved and wanted to use. And um, I was just the Marty, which is fine. But I don't feel like he enjoyed it. Well, was attention. fine. Was fine. Yeah. Yes. yes. Until, until today. <laughs> until Joey made a Facebook post. Um, yeah, exactly. But no, so um, – he never like he he's just a pure as pure wrestler and didn't want the attention or the the spotlight that was put on him and I think he just chose to you know not really pursue it much you know what I mean he didn't want the spotlight he loved wrestling like I'm sure you know it's it's 15 years later but I'm sure if he could he would train every day and I think he still does a little bit because he loves wrestling but he doesn't like the attention or the etc so anyways. Um, so going from time in North Shore, I knew I wanted to shorten it. Had tights coming to the set that had an N on it. And one day he was like, what do you, in his, in his thick Italian accent that I'm going to butcher, what, what do you think of CJ North? And I was just like, I love it. So I guess that's the second gimmick that I kind of, he gave to me, but no one else, like, it wasn't a promoter or something that gave mm-hmm. it to me. So I became CJ North. And um, to this day, like a lot of times people are like, what does CJ stand for? And I'm like, I don't know. I think it's just my first, my real first name, which is Casey, and his name, which is Joey. And I think he just combined it because I, I feel like he just combined Casey and Joey. And that's truly in my heart of hearts what I think uh, how he came up with CJ North. Um, but anyway, so he came up with CJ North. That was great. And that was just me in tights, just kind of being me with the volume turned up, whether I'm a baby or a heel. Um, it was just me. And then I was doing – there was a time where there was like four top companies in Philly and it was XPW, 3PW, CZW and baby ROH. And um, I knew I wanted to get in one of them. I had an encounter with Blue Media training. So I started going to 3PW. Um, I started doing security because I got to pay my dues, rah, rah, rah. And um, it was run by Blue Media and Jasmine St. Clair. And one day I'm at work and um, Jasmine's like, all right, we're finally going to use you, but you're not going to be CJ North. You're going to be my Irish Westie friend, CJ O'Doyle. So go watch this movie. And now you're Irish. And I'm like, thank you for the opportunity. So that's how I became <laughs> CJ O'Doyle. And then Little did you know that would be it? <laughs> that would be it. Yeah. Um, and that's and pretty much it. Now you're Irish. Now I'm Irish. And uh, that's it, man. So I've just been CJ O'Doyle since then. And, um, I guess I made a decent enough. I made a, I, enough of a small splash there that I was able to just stay CJ Doyle, and I never went to. I never went somewhere else where it was. It was. It was. I made enough of a small splash that people were like, "Okay, we're using you. You are who you are, and not, um, hey, we want to change you or anything like that." I mean, now, I mean, I'm open to whatever, but I'm pretty much. I mean, I'm open to whatever. Still, I, I've never been closed-minded, but. Um, I've just been CJ Doyle for the longest time. So there was a brief period though, where I was doubling as CJ Doyle and, um, I had only just been getting squashed at at pops at WXW by all the 300 pounds Samoans. And he wanted to, um, push me as a cruiserweight, and I was smaller at the time. And but he's like, but everyone's, everyone knows you're a loser, son. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, it's a perfect I, opportunity I, to talk about Jimmy. Just saying. <laughs> 
And Jimmy, <laughs> fucking loser. Um, so pops through a mask on me and he's like, it'll be good for you because this way you'll also learn how to convey emotion through your body without having the um, privilege of, you know, facial expressions. So for a while I was both CJ Doyle and Prodigy. Um, then Prodigy got a mask to be CJ Doyle and that's it. So I love that. So yeah, I, that's the kind of stuff I love. So I guess I, I create, so I guess, I guess myself was Tommy North Shore. CJ North was given to me by my friend. CJ O'Doyle was given to me by a promoter. And Prodigy was, um, I guess, given to me by a promoter. But, you know, there's been different incarnations of CJ O'Doyle from a, from a kid to, you know, a professional wrestler, um, from, you know, the Irish Lionheart, now I'm the all-around jerk. And, um, you know, it just grows and evolves and stuff. So, uh, yeah. Awesome. So talking about your matches, you mentioned some of your matches, but um, what would you say your, like your standout matches are? So, you know, if we, if people out there are listening and they're like, okay, I want to check this, this person out. What would you say your standout matches, the ones you're most proud of? Hmm, That's going to be whatever can come to my mind now. If you ask me tomorrow, I'm sure other ones will come to mind, but um, I got to wrestle <clears throat> two of my favorite wrestlers were Chris Benoit and Shane Douglas. And obviously I'll never get to wrestle Chris Benoit, but I got to wrestle a game Shane Douglas, um, I don't know, maybe five years ago, six years ago. That match was awesome. Cause I got to go 20 minutes with my fa- 20 minutes with my favorite wrestler of all time. And, you know, Philly kid, of course. And, um, <clears throat> So that was just awesome. And it was a good match. It was in front of like a thousand people. It was so cool. And um, another childhood favorite I got to go 20 minutes with was Tatanka. So that was awesome. Oh, wow. Um, for more recent stuff, if for more recent stuff, if you YouTube me and Fest, I think, I don't think there's a Fest match I haven't enjoyed. You know, we talked about how you know Scotty. So um, I don't think there's a Fest match I haven't enjoyed. Um what else have I been super proud of recently? Um, try to think because it's been very quiet for the past six months. So it's all, what have you done for me lately, right? Yeah. I can't think yeah. of what I've done lately. Um, gosh, fast. Shocks. Now I feel like crap because I can't <clears throat> think. Um, yeah, we'll go Shane Douglas, Tatanka. Uh, who else? I mean, now I'm just name dropping, really. That's more fun with that. I got, I got yeah, to wrestle. I got to wrestle MVP. That was a great match. I got to wrestle Tracy Smothers. And if you're just a casual fan, you're probably like, who the hell is that? Or whatever, whatever. But if you're a historian, you know who it is. And if you're a real historian, you know how fucking genius that man is. Um, so I got to wrestle him in an awesome match. And it was, yeah, I got to wrestle him. Uh, gosh. Try to think. Yeah. I mean, the Shane Douglas match sticks out the most in my head. So whenever people are like, oh, I want to see, you know, whenever I meet somebody new or whatever, they're like, oh, you wrestle? And I'm like, yeah. I usually pull up the Shane Douglas match or I'll just pull up anything from Fest. Um, <clears throat> I've had a ton of good matches with um, Tom Latimer, a.k.a. Bram. Um, he's now in NWA as Tom Latimer or Thomas Latimer. And he was in uh, Impact as Bram. And it's impossible for us to have a bad match. It's impossible for me to have a bad match with a lot of people, but unfortunately I can't, you know, recite most of them. Um, 
No, well, there there is a famous one that when I mentioned to Scotty that uh, I already know who you're going to say. Probably, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Ms. Arya Blake. I knew you were going to say that. He sent. Well, he sent me the video. You you know it's that terrible. is a that, that is a match I'm really proud of, and I'm no, proud it's of fun. It. It's it's really fun. No, you know I well I did say all of my fest stuff, but yeah, I'm proud of that because. Um, she's maybe, and she's a, she's a good friend, but she's maybe not, you know, an Eddie Guerrero of, of wrestling, if you will. Um, and I'm five times her size. Um, but we made the match work. We made it believable. There was a story behind it. And the, um, kudos that I got from my peers, you know, the kudos I got from my peers was the reward I mean, the fans obviously were were great, but for people to go out of their way, you know, usually you walk in the back and whoever is back there will be like, oh, yeah, hey, good match. Whoever you pass on the way back to your bag. But like, people were going out of their way to be like, wow, great stuff, yada, yada, yada. Um, and obviously, Scotty sent it to you, so he obviously must, must have thought highly of it too. So, Well, it's interesting because I was doing, you know, after I got done with my work today, I was doing research because I didn't want to sound like a complete moron here. And so I ended up watching the the lead up to that match. Mm-hmm. And you t- the, I, I sorry I'm not going to know names, but you got you took like the double drop kicks, um, I, like and then and then I guess she came out right. I might I might be sounding more like a moron, but I think I know what you're talking about. It was um I think it was I think it was after a two on one match. Yeah yeah, right? yeah 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 yeah. And you were yeah you were walking across the ring, you took a double <clears throat> drop kick, and it kind of led up to yeah. that. Yeah, but like yeah, it went so from the- me doing research to being completely engrossed and. Like, oh, shit, oh, I got to awesome. finish up. So that's I get awesome. that. Rob, are you knowing what I'm talking about here? Um, so we there is a, a – well, go ahead. I'll let you. I'll hey, let you. You know, you, you know what you said? You, you know, again, I, 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 sh- I shortchanged myself by saying all of my Fest stuff. My first match ever in Fest was me versus her versus Saeed Al-Saban, a triple threat. And the the reaction going in was, oh, my God, these are three incredibly different styles let's watch how much of a train wreck this is going to be. But all three of the, and this was before Saeed was, you know, Saeed and all three of us um, came into that match with something to prove. And the worst thing you can do is give someone motivation or the best thing you can do, but the worst thing you can do is give someone motivation because they're going to come out there motivated and they're going to kick a lot of ass. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So for everyone that thought it was going to be a train wreck and a shit show, it was literally the exact opposite. It was astonishing. It, it, it helped Saeed. Uh, it helped Ari. It helped me. And actually what happened was during the match, I gave her a tombstone pile driver and she ended up, uh, I did not injure her, but she had a pre-existing injury. So we used that as a way to get her out of the storyline. And I just, you know, and this goes back to your other question. How do you create a gimmick? Um, <clears throat> I, I've learned a lesson from Steve Carino and that's if you name dropping again, if that's, if you, just say something. A lot of times people are just going to go with it or have to go with it. I was wrestling in Puerto Rico and he came for a visit, like a weekend visit. Uh, Cause he was on the card. Obviously he was the star they brought in. And um, he was like, he just randomly called himself the, the king of the universe or whatever. And he's like, eh, now it's going to be on their TV show. We'll see what happens. And I'm like, genius. Like he just did it. So I've always, I've always had a problem for, asking permission instead of just asking for forgiveness. So kind of keeping all the lessons I've learned 
and really wanting to excel because I really loved that fest. I really loved the fest environment. I just had the ring announcer at the first match after that triple threat um, introduced me as the Aria Blake assassin. And the, f- <laughs> the fans picked up on it and caught it. And then it became just a war and a feud. And um, that match that he said, you would have never happened if I didn't um, <clears throat> start bragging about how I took her out. You know what I mean? I, I guess you could say, you can, you could say I like built myself a storyline. I, that's not, that wasn't intentional. I was just trying to get some heat, but um. But yeah, so took her out, and then she came back, I guess, for commentary for that match that you saw. That match was also supposed to be a triple threat, but I was, you know, fragging how I beat up women, blah, 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 and um, turned it into a two-on-one. I won cheaply and then was talking shit. That, and then that um, echoes in with what you were saying, how then I turn around, they double drop kick me. She comes in. I think she hit me with a chair or something, and then she yeah. challenges me for that big show that um, Sky sent you the match for. And, and this match was a bring the party weapons match where people yeah. have to throw weapons in, I guess, or bring weapons in. Yep. Whatever they wanted to bring. Yep. And uh, so did, was that real? Did someone, was a random fan bring the uh, giant dildo? Uh, I did not bring it and she did not bring it. Okay. So, so, so there you go. <laughs> and th- this match culminated in you taking the barbed wire dildo. Yep. And it was so, it, it was just a fun match. It was fun to watch. It was entertaining. Yep. And it was it had a finality to it even. So yeah, so like exactly. all joking aside it, for the obvious reason, um, it was just a fun match to watch. And Scotty obviously agreed as well. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate your feedback, Greg, and I appreciate um, Scotty enjoying it. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's fun. Wrestling is fun. You know, um, wrestling's fun. Fest is fun. And that's it. We told a story, you were entertained and we did our jobs. You are actually segueing me really good here because you're talking about it's fun. Uh, is there anything about modern wrestling that drives you insane? That drives me insane? Like, that you're like, Ugh, why are they still doing this or why are they not doing this? Um, gosh, what drives me insane? Um, I don't know. I don't want to sound... I don't want to sound bitter or nothing like that, but just not be- non-believability. And I know that. And the reason I say, the reason I say what I said is because I'm sure that can be taken out of context because, you know, um, there's definitely a lot of uh, athleticism is not even the word. It's, there's a lot of, I guess you could say flippiness or whatever in wrestling today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I absolutely believe there's a, a, a place for that. And I actually do really well against flippy guys because I don't, you know. So it's a really nice clash of styles. But I just think sometimes just saying, well, everyone knows wrestling is what what it is. And we're just going to, like, I enjoy – I was just talking to one of my friends um, yesterday or today at the gym. And I was like, did you watch Raw? And I was referencing um, Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe's promo at the end of Raw. And I was like, that was the best promo in my opinion. And I named a, a promo or two that I thought was not the best. Um, but I was like, that promo was so good because they had such – Seth Rollins <clears throat> had such conviction in what he was saying. And I believe every word of it. And then when Samoa Joe stood up to defend uh, Tom Phillips, the look of intensity in his eyes – and I'm like, this is just like, I got sucked in because I believed it. I believed that if they got into a fight, 
Seth Rollins was probably going to get his ass kicked. And if not, it was because he was going to have help or something like that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So um, when I say not believability, it's not like an attack on Flippy. And that's why I say I know it's going to be probably interpreted that way. But just if, if anything that drives me insane, it's not believability. Um, and that's not even a knock on like comedy characters because you need that. You need a Santino Morella. You know what I mean? You need oh, he's comedy. so good at that. No. Yeah. And, and, you could almost you could almost say it's hypocritical because literally the match you just referenced was fun, right? But I feel like, um, and you can, I feel like when you watch that match, you believe that when I finally got my hands on her, I was going to destroy her, and she just literally kept slipping out of my hands. Mm-hmm. And that even when she did hit me, it it, it hurt because you know you can stub your toe and it hurts, but it takes seven moves for her to do damage because I'm five times her size. You know what I mean? So um, just probably more believability um, is probably, I I wouldn't say it drives me insane, but I would just say more believability. I love that you mentioned Seth Rollins. He's like, he's one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. And it's because when he first won the NXT championship, I was there Mm -hmm. when he beat, uh, was it Ginger Mahal? I think. And like, he went into the crowd and used my shoulder to like hold himself up. Oh, you're famous. Yeah, well, yeah, right. So, like, <laughs> he touched so was, me. He touched me. So it was like it was really cool, and it was, what was even cooler was like after he was done, he's like, "Oh, sorry, man." <laughs> Just like a weird yeah. thing. And then uh, you've—I'm assuming you've been to the the Full Sail campus. Um, yeah, I've been. There. So I, was, I was walking back to my classroom, and I was cutting through the—we call it the panda cage, but the that like glass uh, thing next to the live venue. Mm-hmm. So I'm cutting back through, and they were actually talking out the spots and like just sitting there right after the match, like talking about what worked and didn't work as they were getting their stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, and it was such a cool, it was just cool for me as a fan to see that, you know, just the, the after match discussion. It made me seem feel like I was like, wow, I'm seeing something that no one gets to see. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm glad you got to see it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, and Seth Rollins is, one of the absolute best. It's ridiculous how good he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try to keep it brief. I guess I, I heard I heard a story that he was wrestling someone back in like FCW, and that guy thought he was like so good, and he was probably acknowledged at the time as like the best there. And then when he was like, "Oh, Seth Rollins, you know, who's this guy? Tyler Black from Ring of Honor thinks he's so good." Rah rah rah. He's like, "I thought I was good. Seth Rollins is five steps ahead." at all times it's like you know how in jujitsu you have to you know set traps for your opponent and always be thinking five moves ahead he's like seth rollins is always six moves ahead knows that he's he was Hmm. it made me appreciate his work even more just hearing that story you know what i mean so so uh rob who is your favorite wrestler of all time uh jimmy of all time of all time other than jimmy well the one that you talk about the most i'm I'm leading to another question here so answer correctly yeah. Well, my my favorite one, probably one of the more entertaining ones, and also also largely responsible for helping WWE win the Monday Night War, and that's going to be Stone Cold. Okay, yeah, good, he got it right. So uh, <laughs> I, I saw that you, there was uh, the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin Broken Skull Challenge that you were oh, a yeah. part of. What what is that all about? Because well, yeah, so no, it was uh, it's a uh, for those that aren't familiar with it, it's a competition show similar somewhat to American Ninja Warrior. Um, 
and there's three rounds and there's a physical competition and it's just bracket style, you know, a single elimination. So, um, I have a, I don't say background history, whatever. Uh, I do the obstacle course races like Spartan and Tough Mudder and Savage. Um, uh. And so, and actually, so I guess, I guess Broken Skull is more of like um, an obstacle course meets American Ninja Warrior, if you will, because the sole survivor of the bracket elimination goes to a half a mile long, 10 obstacle course um, and you have to beat like the reigning champions time to succeed. So while a half a mile and 10 obstacles doesn't seem like a lot, the time to beat is like six minutes usually or seven minutes. So you try running a half a mile in that time and getting through 10 challenging, grueling obstacles. Anyways. So, um, I already had the background in obstacle racing and someone was like, you should go out for the show. Yada, yada, yada. So I applied and got on and funny story is funny story because i know i'm quite monotone because i got a, a sleeping child maybe 12 feet away from me so um not to lose your viewers or anything like that um i don't want them to think it's a jazz channel and i'm putting them to sleep with smooth jazz with CJ well we're gonna Google. we're gonna put you on like a bed of like kenny g <gasps> that would be awesome i hope i hope it's i hope it's the, the happy new year song i love that song the all dying sing song that's a good one. Like Anywho, that. yeah, because yeah, I, I can't pronounce it, so I'm glad you did. So now I'm the dumbass. Um, <laughs> but uh, any hoozles, um, the hell was I saying? Stone Cold something maybe? Stone Cold, Stone Cold. What was I saying? <laughs> you were, uh, let's see, honey, you were going. Oh, yeah, funny cold. story. Yeah, funny, funny story. There you go. Funny story to get your viewers back. Um, I interviewed the whole time. This is when Chael Sonnen of mixed martial arts fame was hot. Like he was, he was, I think he was challenging Anderson Silva. I was like, all right, I know how I was like, I know, you know, one of my favorite quotes is experience isn't something you get until just after you needed it. So after having failed an experience similar, I knew that I, I knew what to do. So during the interviews, I was flamboyant. I was arrogant. I was cocky. I was just a heel fucking persona. And next thing you know, I get booked for the show because that's what they want on their TV. Mm -hmm. And then as I'm flying out to California, uh, I'm like, man, I don't want to be an asshole on TV. Like millions of people are going to see this. So in the hotel room the night before, the directors or producers or whatever are chatting with me. And I'm, you know, interviewing me and I'm giving them all these answers. And I'm giving them all these like nice guy, you know, you know, soon to be dad answers, whatever. And they're like, they literally at one point held up a picture of me, a promo picture of me in a vicious looking face and said, um, this is good. What happened to this guy? <laughs> so that's another experience that I learned from the next time. I'm just going to be the heel the whole way through um, because that slight fearful change of heart was probably not good. So um and I, spoiler, I did lose round one. It was super close. Stone Cold was like, man, that was a great fight. Um, but if you're going to lose, lose to the best. And the guy I lost to not only, like, crushed that final course, he's, like, a professional fucking obstacle guy. Like, like I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if we're still friends wow. on social media because I don't really see his feed anymore. But for, like, a year after seeing – for, like, a year after, he was always in my feed – and he was just going from city to city, collecting those big ass cardboard checks for winning prize money. 
So it made me feel. <laughs> no, where's the big cardboard one? I want the big cardboard one. <laughs> it made me, as more time went on, it made me feel better and better about losing. Because God damn, if you're going to lose. And I think he was even on the Spartan games or the Titan games, something on like NBC or something like that. So it's like, and I always beat them. Right. So it's like, if you're going to lose, lose to the goddamn best. So yeah, it has an entire warehouse full of cardboard yeah. checks. Yeah. And then the conspiracy theorist in me thinks to myself, like, did they rebook the brackets once they found out I'm just not the heel that they thought I was going to be. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was the stone cold show. Super fun. Nice. So, well, you mentioned this. This is a question I kind of skipped by accident. Okay. Uh, you mentioned face and heel. What do you prefer? What's more fun? Uh, here's an arrogant comment. I do both really well. Um, and I feel like sometimes you can help me out with the exact phrasing here, but I feel like sometimes art imitates life or life imitates art, whatever the proper phrasing is. And the reason I say that is, um, you know, when I first started out, I was always a baby face, great baby face, white meat, baby face, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like super excited, right. About life. And then, um, you know, life happens and you progress as a, a human, you know what I mean? And, um, events happen, et cetera. And it, it shapes who you are and changes, et cetera, et cetera, whether it's for good or bad. So, um, there was a period where, um, Sal from WWN of, you know, WWN evolve, uh, WWE fame, whatever, um, was like, all right, we're going to turn you heel. And that was like my, I had been heel sporadically here and there, one-offs or promotions that didn't last, but he was the first one to like make me a heel and give me a goddamn ball and run with it. Um, but it was also at a, at a time of change. Right. So <clears throat> my whole, my gimmick then was like, you're selfish, you're selfish. And that was literally like my real life coming out in wrestling. You know, there were selfish people around me. So I was just able to take like that anger and translate it, you know, and, um, now I'm a jerk, et cetera, et cetera. And I think my next gimmick might be dad of the year. Who knows? But, mm. um, so what do I prefer? I mean, it's easy to be a heel when you're got stuff going on. It's easy to be a baby face when you're fired up about life. So the answer I give you today is I prefer to be a heel, but I can go out tomorrow and be a super, you know, baby face, whatever. So, um, to answer your question, I prefer at this moment to be a heel. If you asked me five years ago, I probably, or if you asked me eight years ago, I probably would have said baby face. And if you asked me in two weeks, who knows? Uh, but the answer today is I prefer to be a heel. I get to talk my shit. I get to, um, I mean, I don't think I'm a bad guy in real life. So to make a bunch of people hate me, um, is just fun. You know what I mean? I just, I have fun with it. It's entertaining to me. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm entertained by the fans being entertained. So yeah. Nice. Now, I have a question that may or may not be allowed. So I hate this question. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know what you're asking. Well, well, maybe you did because no. maybe I'm not the only one who prefaced it that way. <laughs> no, no. Um, well, we. I like I like not knowing the questions ahead of time because how... then you get you get genuine reactions. You know what I mean? How do they determine? Who wins a match? Oh, it's a real fight. You get in there and you just got to pin your opponent to the ground. There you go. Excellent. 
that's why I'm so good right now because I've got the experience. I'm a veteran now, so I've got the experience on how to make my opponents submit or pin them for three seconds. Or to throw them through a chair wrapped in barbed wire. Yeah. With a dildo. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, What's weird is Rob actually has one of those chairs, but he doesn't wrestle. I don't. <laughs> I just right. sit a lot. On the dildo. Anyways, um, no, so it's it's just a show, right? So mm-hmm. if you're watching, um, if you're watching, you know, Parks and Rec, how do you book Ron Swanson to be the jerk that he is? Or when do you give him a moment to be a good guy? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of other trendy shows. You know, it's just, it's the same thing as, as you know, writing for a TV show. You know, one of the best shows, in my opinion, of all time is The Office. You know, how do you... When do you book Michael Scott as the bumbling idiot? And when do you book him as the guy with the absolute biggest heart, right? So you're telling stories. So how do you determine it? What's best for the story? You know what I mean? What is the story you're trying to tell? What is the business of the match? That's what I say all the time at the beginning is, okay, what is the business of our match? What is the story we are trying to tell? Because um, that's it. I mean, that's it. You're trying to tell a story, right? So... um, you know, back in the nineties, Vince McMahon was this bad guy, evil owner and didn't want the common man stone cold to succeed, you know? So the story was, we're going to throw every, we don't want you to succeed, you know? Um, and that's the story there, you know? So right. how do you determine you just, what's best for the story, you know? So, um, you know, if I was spoiler alert, sorry, spoiler alert, you know, if I would have beat Arya Blake in the, in the blow off, well, that's going to leave a sour taste in fans' mouth. And sometimes you need to do that, but you leave a sour taste in their mouth in, in like the buildup, you know what I mean? And, right. Um, you know, who is, or maybe let's just say I was going to move on to a title feud for the title. So maybe I do beat Arya Blake and I do get that. And I do leave the poor taste in people's mouth. This way they really want to see me get my ass kicked against whoever the champion is. You know what I mean? So it's it's creating compelling characters that you care about and wanting to see them succeed or fail. And, and you have, I don't know, six to nine matches per card to tell a story and mm-hmm. to do that. So I feel like you need to actually explain that to certain wrestling promotions who don't seem to understand that. The problem is, in my opinion, is if they don't understand it now, you're probably not right. going to get through to them in general. <clears throat> so you're right. probably wasting your time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and while I, while I understand that as you know, that the story is ultimately the driving factor as far as, as far as determining matches, um, are there, are there matches where, where they go into it and it's not really that consequential to the story. So they kind of let it play out and the, the outcome is kind of fluid as the match progresses. Um, no, not really. Okay. I mean, there's, there, there, you know, the whole thing of pro wrestling, right? It, it started out as a competition, right? Just like mm-hmm. MMA, just like MMA is mostly now and boxing is mostly now, you know, it's a competition. So it's two guys that want to be the champion. <clears throat> so right. sometimes the business of the match is just two guys that are fighting for supremacy. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And that's a great opportunity to get your characters over. But yeah. Fair enough. Cause I don't know how many people I've argued with over the years. And I always, I always argue it, you know, because what the, the first thing that somebody ever says when they find out, Oh, you watch wrestling. Don't you know, that's fake. 
And I always jump on people for that because I'm like, no, it's not fake. It's it's not fake. It's scripted. There is a difference. And and because I mean, I've I've seen some of the things that these guys go through. I I know they get hurt. I know there's injuries. I know. I mean, they're actually (laughs) hitting each other. Um, Rob is a nurse, by the way, so he's well aware of injuries. Yeah. But, you know, it's so, yeah, I, I was I was just curious as to whether or not, you know, they, they went into matches with, you know, sometimes them being decided by audience participation or whatnot. But are you there? Did we lose you? Sorry. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I pissed him off and he walked off. <laughs> No, sorry, small distraction. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it would certainly be a fun concept to just send two guys out there and let them figure it out. And, you know, I don't I don't doubt that there are occasions when that happens. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and stuff does happen. Stuff does change on the fly. You know, I actually just did a show Friday. I don't know when this – I just did a show this past – I just did a show July 31st where – Guy A was supposed to win, but Guy B won due to um, an injury. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, so, and, and and I've seen that where like an injury can alter the outcome of the match. Um, and you you you'll see those on like, um, God, I can't even know. I can't even remember what the shows are, but they're like, oh well, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen. But you can very you know in the replay, you very obviously see that a guy landed wrong or something, and he's having trouble standing, and they've got to end the match real quick and. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it'd be super fun. It'd be super fun to just go out there and figure it out. And sometimes, sometimes all you know is who's supposed to win. And sometimes you do just go out there. Um, I, it's a very low percentage, but, but yeah. And then like, yeah, like we just said, the injuries happen. Sorry. I hope I didn't miss part of the question just because uh, there was a slight snafu on my end, but hopefully I addressed the question and answered it. So it was, yeah. there any, was, was there any part that I missed or anything? Uh, no, I think you got it. Okay, cool. Ooh, the, um, Sorry. I guess uh, th- these are actually some listener questions. Um, sure. We have like a little chat for our listeners. And uh, sure. uh, one of them was, uh, what move have you been on the receiving end of that hurts the most? My, my listeners are dark, crazy people because, like, half of the questions were about like you getting mangled, and I'm like, I'm not answering <laughs> these. Um, yeah. sorry again, the move that hurts the most, you said. Yeah. Um, what hurts the most? Like, I feel that like if Big Show did that slap across my chest, I would actually die. Yeah, but there's a difference, right? So, and this, I, I actually was gonna say this as my answer and I don't know that a move hurts as much as the person giving it because the first thought that popped into my head was when I was 170 pounds going against 300 pounds Samoans every Saturday that sucked um (laughs) but you know a chop is nothing now but yeah if the big show chops me it's gonna fucking hurt you know what I mean so um I don't really know that there's any move per se that hurts because you know there's only x amount of ways of actually landing and if you're doing the move correctly and appropriately then you're not going to get hurt 
So yeah, accidents happen, well. of course, but I've been uh, in a figure four. It probably has to do with the person applying it, but perhaps. But yeah, so I, 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 my answer is I don't know that there's a move per se that hurts or sucks. I think it's the applicant of the move. Mm-hmm. So Rob's brother should probably not be putting anyone in figure fours. <laughs> next, uh, next fucked up question. Yes. Uh, so this this question is actually um, a, a local uh, attorney that listens to our show. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, how do you do moves at that speed without getting instant head injuries? So he might be looking for a client as well as a, a hey. question. <laughs> um, practice, man. Practice. You know, how do, uh, how do circus performers do it night in and night out? How do, um, well, I guess mixed martial arts is a bad example, but um, how do you do it at high speeds? Uh, same way stunt people do their work in movies. You know what I mean? Okay, so I've got some quick questions here. We're going to go with the, you know, right, you, you said you don't want to know the questions before, so we're going to go right up. <laughs> Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, the best technical wrestler you've ever seen? Uh, Dean Malenko. The best technical wrestler you've ever faced? Uh, Jesus Roberto Ricardo. Uh, Jesus Rodriguez. Sorry, I got distracted there. I was trying to. I was trying to implement his. Uh, I was trying to implement all his names, but uh, <laughs> is he a, is he a luchador? I, no, I can barely remember his WWE name. Ricardo Rodriguez, Alberto Del Rio's. Um, that's what I was combining. I was combining Jesus with. Um, Ricardo Rodriguez with Alberto Del Rio. So my little botch there it makes it sound like I don't fucking know him, but um, he was Alberto Del Rio's personal ring announcer, right? But he okay, is, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. But he and it's and it's it's a travesty that he didn't get a, the opportunity to just you know be himself. They did put him under a mask for a little while. He teamed up I with didn't know that. Yeah, he teamed up with Callisto as the um, Lucha Dragons uh, before Sin Cara was with Callisto. Mm, so before, okay. before, before Sin Cara was with Callisto, it was um, Jesus under a mask with Callisto. Uh, but he is so fucking good. Uh, yeah, he is so fucking good. But yeah, technical wrestler, he's so good, it, it should be a crime. He is so good. He posted one of his Instagram videos of him as as Ricardo Rodriguez just tripping, getting in the ring. And it was so believable and so natural. Yeah, man, people need to look him. People need to look at his like wrestling work, man. Anyways. Nice. Yeah. Jesus Rodriguez. Okay. So we were talking, we talked about skills. Now let's talk about who is the best wrestler on the mic. Currently or of all time, all time, all time. Well, that's obviously the rock. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's an easy question. I, I've heard <laughs> stories that, that people just hated going against him on the mic because he had so many catchphrases and everything to fall back on that he just ended up making people look stupid. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I mean, you, if you you talk to your friend and you just pretend you're The Rock, you can only answer comments and questions with The Rock's catchphrases. It's so easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's as easy as that's what she said. It's true. Which, which he nailed us with before we hit record. No, that was no. It's true. It's true. Is is Kurt Angle close though? <laughs> like that guy too, because of the Pittsburgh connection. There you go. Uh, so we're going a pre match meal. Do you have a special pre match meal? Yeah, nothing. Uh, <laughs> okay, show, day, show days. I try to eat 
so show days, I try to have a moderate breakfast and then just like protein bars until pre-match. If I get like hungry, like, I don't know, 20 minutes before I have to go out. Uh, sometimes I carry peanut butter with me and I'll just have like a spoonful of peanut butter. Or um, I usually carry packs of almonds with me. I'll have a couple packs of almonds to suppress that um, hunger or whatever. But um, yeah, usually a moderate breakfast, eggs, toasts, something good. Maybe some Subway along the way. And then, um, yeah, so that's my, you know, healthy, uh, healthy, uh, lighter, healthy and on the lighter side of caloric intake, which sounds stupid because you're trying to go maximize your performance. You know what I mean? But um, since I don't have the privilege of doing this full time, I just know my body and my diet through my work week and then my wrestling. So anyways, yep, that's my, that's my meal. Nice. What is your favorite band? Favorite band? Mm-hmm. Uh, who has my favorite band? <laughs> it's weird. I People mean, don't have those as many times anymore. Well, it used to be like everyone I knew. Mean, I mean, of all time, it's the insane clown posse. Um, but I don't know if you consider them a band as much as a, a rap duo. Um, you could say, I guess the first thing that, well, since you accepted insane clown posse, perfect. Um, I immediately think back though to, um, Lincoln Park, Hybrid Theory, Disturbed, okay. Disturbed, Down with the Sickness. Um, so Lincoln Park, old Lincoln Park would probably be number two behind ICP. Um, and then kind of what I do now is I'm fortunate enough to just be able to listen to music during work. So I'll like hear a song on Pandora and then I'll just like go a week of like listening to that artists you know what i mean like i've just been um listening to a bunch of motionless and white for example um and in this moment i've been listening to a bunch of that they're definitely not my favorites but they're my current um flavor of the week if you will so um yeah current band is saint clown posse down with the clown down with the clown and i'm down for life uh whoop whoop and uh yeah so not rock band, but that's my favorite. Nice. Uh, favorite movie? The Crow. Easy. Duh. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. That is my favorite movie. Greg, is your Is it really? It really is. I saw that movie in the theater so many times. I won't spoil it for you, but next time you Google me, see if there's a picture of my back and see my tattoo. Oh, really? That's okay. I'm assuming Crow related. That's awesome. That's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. We haven't actually covered The Crow on this episode, on this, you podcast. better have me on. You better have I will. me on. Okay, I will. Screw whatever movie you're doing today. You <laughs> have to have me on. I will schedule a crow episode where we can get Jimmy on. You better fuck Jimmy. You better. <laughs> you better have me on. That movie is great, man. When I was 17 years old, working at, at Coconuts, look it up. Um, you probably know, but you know, uh, same sister company as Fye. But so when I was seventeen year old, essentially okay. seventeen years old, working at at a sister company to Fye, I used to love that that movie was sometimes in drama, sometimes in sci fi, sometimes in action, um, sometimes in horror. Like it had so many genre definitions um, that stores didn't know what to do with it, and 
you know, it's, it's open to interpretation, of course, but my interpretation, which I'm kind of blowing the spot for when you do record the Crow podcast, because now they don't have to listen to that. They can just listen to this is, um, is uh, I view it as a love story. It's a vigilante love story. Yep. So it's like, and I see it as a love story because it's like this guy's love for that girl was so pure and strong. And we're all old men, right? We're all old men now, right? We're all grizzled and, and life has happened. But who, mm-hmm. when they're growing up, doesn't want that pure, fucking, blissful, genuine love? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, and he's a superhero. He's a vigilante. He's a good guy. So, um, that's why I love The Crow so much because – when you're a teenager and you want to be in love and you love superheroes and it combines everything and there you go. Well, we're, yeah. Okay. Well, I will schedule a special crow episode sooner than hell, later. Yeah. Even though now, I just covered it, even though I just covered it all. Hell yeah. It'll happen. Uh, so you mentioned Jimmy. So for me, can you cut a promo? Uh, were you challenge- here now. Yeah. Will you challenge Jimmy to uh, a death match? Jimmy is our co-host. Jimmy, you a death match? Yeah. I, I, okay, I, I, first, yeah, first no off, hard match, maybe. I don't know, something. Figure it out. First off, Jimmy can't even spell death match, let alone want a death match with me. All right. He was too scared to come to this podcast today and show his stupid, ugly face. So you really think he's going to show up for a death match where shit like light tubes are legal? Anything is legal in a death match. It says death match. It is a match to the death and he couldn't even show his face today so yeah i don't think he wants to face me i'm 240 pounds of jacked man the barrel chested brute the lionheart brawler the jimmy destroyer Uh uh-oh there's our title (laughs) (laughs) yeah we have we have a title so are you sure you still want me to cut a promo on Jimmy? Because there's no way. He, he might never leave his house again. He, aside from being named Jim, he's the only Jim he knows because he's never seen the inside of a gym. And he would need at least, I don't know, two or three years of six-day-a-week training to even remotely maybe last two minutes with me. There's everything is legal in a goddamn death match chairs tables cinder blocks light tubes you barbed wire piranhas piranhas fish tanks full of piranhas you name it and it's legal legos i don't care i will make a lego (laughs) seem dangerous to him he will not be able when he wakes up in the morning and he looks at the calendar and there's a big red circle around the date and it says death match and he walks to that calendar and he really thinks about his life and all the people that love him and all the people that he loves. He's just going to turn back around and go back into bed and say, you know what? I'm taking a holiday today. I'm taking a rainy day. And he's going to go back to sleep. And then he's going to wake up on the next day and be like, thank goodness I avoided that ass kicking. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. Jimmy, the only, uh, Jimmy. The, the only RIP Jimmy wants and needs is a true rest in peace because he's going to rest in peace when he sleeps through going to a death match 
with me. So you tell me when you're ready for me to cut a promo on Jimmy, because <laughs> I don't think you actually really want me to cut a promo because I don't think Jimmy's actually ever going to show up to a death match with me. Nice. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. The professional. So we are so going to close out here. Are we ready to record this promo against Jimmy? Cause I'm fired up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets worse. It gets more, t- it gets more terrifying. Cause I got a little nervous. So here we go. We, we're going to get you back to your family. The The name of the podcast, of course, is the Give Me Five podcast. And so we usually uh, end each conversation with a top five list. And the, the question I saw that you hate or did not like was your top five dream matches. So I immediately crossed that uh, off the line. Eh, let's do it. You crossed it off. You didn't think you were going to get it. Let's do it. Let's do okay. Unless you guys... So I was going to change it. I was going to change it to the top, your top five favorite matches of all time that you've like watched. Like the, most- the dream opponents would be easier. Let's do dream yeah. opponents. No particular, <laughs> no, no particular order and no rhyme or reason. Right now, Seth Rollins. He's the man. Let's uh, let's wrestle. Okay. Um, Seth Rollins is one. Let's go. Randy Orton, John Cena. Um, other two. Now this is current or retired. It is going to be all all time at their prime. Um, give me fucking Shane Douglas again in ECW, and give me. Um, Edge in his prime. So the first three, the first three are now Cena, Orton, and uh, Seth Rollins, and then the other two are a prime Shane and the prime Edge. Boom. That was a lot easier than last time. Yeah, actually, Edge is is my favorite. Who yeah. Edge was the man? I remember his promo vignettes in like '98 when he came in. It was just like, wow, this guy's that's good marketing. It's like, wow, this guy's cool. You know, I want to be like this guy, and then he's good on top of it. Yeah, I like the I like the whole vampire era edge. I'm, I'm always I'm a big fan of like the dark wrestlers. Okay, so you are now the Give Me Five Podcast favorite wrestler. Awesome. So thank you for being on. Uh, how can people follow you? Where can um, they buy your shirts? Where can they? Well, if they follow me, I'm going to call the police because following is creepy as fuck. <laughs> um, but if they wanted to support me via social media, <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, they can follow me there. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Give me a follow, just not in real life, because that's creepy. Um, uh, Twitter is at CJ O'Doyle. Facebook is CJ O'Doyle. And Instagram is LionheartCJ39. So Twitter, at CJ O'Doyle. Facebook, CJ O'Doyle. And then Instagram is the only one that's a little different, and it's uh, Lionheart CJ39. And... If you want to be awesome, um, you can go to prowrestlingtees.com slash CJ O'Doyle or just simply go to Pro Wrestling Tees and search for CJ O'Doyle. Got a couple shirts up there. One of them is me pile driving a guy through a, uh, a table, which nice. I do a lot. Um, that's a sweet shirt. And then you got the uh, Strong Style Lionheart shirt that's available. That's a pretty sweet one. That's a collaborative effort with uh, Strong Style Brand, the apparel company. And then you have an uh, an O'Doul's non-alcoholic takeoff shirt, and uh, yeah, so get some. Nice. And uh, for the listeners out there, I will of course post all of these links 
on our website, gimme5podcast.com. And I'll um, make it easier for you to follow him in person with pictures and things like that. Because that's what you want to do. You want to follow the guy that, that in person that likes to put people through tables and chairs. <laughs> That's my, that's my, you talk about gimmicks. That's my gimmick now. Doors, actually. Yeah, doors. Yes, specifically. Nice. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming. This is awesome. This is, uh, you know, I, as a wrestling fan, this is, you know, something that I've been like, I've always wanted to talk to someone who has been there and done it. I'm not, first yes, of all, thank, thank you. For you. Us. Thank you for having me. I, uh, What's that phrase? A jack of all trades, master of none. I've been, I'm that guy that's been everywhere at least once and you don't even realize it. So, uh, the journeyman or whatever, that's not a title you want. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> Follow me, not in real life, just on the socials. Thank you very much, uh, Greg and Rob for having me. Not thank you to Jimmy, you fucking coward. And... <laughs> uh, you'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> Cool. Fuck them. I'm out. Thank you guys so much. Take care. See what happens, Jimmy. You're not here, and it all goes to shit. Thanks a lot, Jimmy. <laughs> James. Is it short for James? It is, actually. Long for James. Yeah, long for James, yeah. It is. Long for James. Short. Long for James. Long okay. for Jim. Oh, well, whatever. I was going to say this is like an encore fucking Easter egg or something, whatever. But so just a little uh, small snippet talking about MJF being believable. And of course, you know, I said, uh, I don't know if this was recorded or not, but I said that the key word there is believable. And that goes back to what I was saying. Um, you think he's great because he's so believable. Um, I think what's great is, and this could probably go with the, what do I not like in wrestling? There's a lot of bad guys that are cool bad guys, right? Ivan Drago was not a cool bad guy. That guy was a careless, uh, an I don't care, um, cold killer. You know what I mean? Um, so if there's, I guess one thing I could change, it would be like, like, so like for me, I now so much, I don't care as much, but a couple of years ago when I, you know, first got that heel, that ball of, you know, when I got that heel ball, however you phrase it, um, I did everything in my power to make sure I wasn't liked and not cheered whether it was not doing a cool move or whatever, whatever. And actually, if you read one of Jericho's books, I don't, I don't remember which one it is, but he says how when, one of the times he came back to WWE, he told the merch team, don't make me any merchandise. I want no redeemable qualities that makes me um, likable. So I think one thing that's really great about MJF is that tell me a redeemable quality that he has. Every time you want to be like, oh, I, I kind of like this guy. Man, he's such an asshole. You know what I mean? So um he doesn't give you that. He doesn't. He, he has no redeemable qualities, and he's believable, which is a great combination for success. Which is why he's successful, and which is why a lot of um, heels either fail um, or aren't believable. You know what I'm saying? So, anyways, I just want to give that little two seconds to that little minute fifty snippet. 
little Easter egg or whatever about that. So your, your boy Scotty will tell you that I, I usually um, pile drive people through doors at Fest Wrestling. So it's kind of my thing. So I think putting him through a door would be no problem. And he should not let my um, quiet tone because I have a sleeping child be any kind of non-intimidating factor because there's nothing scarier than someone that could be quiet and calm at the moment and then unleash fury and pile drive his ass through a door for missing this fucking podcast and in a moment's notice. Jake Roberts didn't have to yell, but he was one of the most lethal men in pro wrestling. He would let his snake bite you in the arm on Saturday Night Main Event. So you don't have to yell to put fear into people's heads. Sometimes it's the serial killers that are the quietest. You know what I'm saying?